All right. Well, this is the second episode of the Windmill Dynasty Hockey Podcast. With me tonight, I have Stuart Miller-Davis and Riley Miller-Davis of the Davis family. And the... You guys can introduce yourself. What, what's your podcast? Give yourself a plug here. Yeah, plugging us out. Uh, the Real Housewives of Hockey. We're currently uh, in the middle of wrapping up our uh, O Show, which is a look into what the best kind of, if you were to take the history of, of the OHL teams and take their best players and put them back in their prime, which league or which player would be the best in that league. So it's a bit of a interesting twist on the OHL. That would be fun. It was a, a project we came up with and put together and are having lots of fun with and hope that our, our listeners are and hope that uh, if you guys are listening here, uh, and haven't heard any of the O show yet? Go check it out. And check out our Instagram uh, at the Real Housewives of Hockey, or our Twitter. For sure. All right. I was gonna say I have to. Right. I have to make power a, plugs. Yeah, I have to make a Twitter yep. for my uh, for my show, plugs. but it would help if I had more than one episode out. So that's why we are here <laughs> tonight. So let's get started. Did you guys hear the QMJHL has banned fighting moving forward? How do we feel about this? Yeah, so I'll start off being the, the Quebec resident here. So there was a lot of talk that the Quebec government kind of bailed out the queue during the COVID seasons, and with that in mind, they wanted to force out fighting a bit. And honestly, I don't really have too much of an issue with it, because I'm not a huge fan of seeing 16-year-olds get like their face bashed in by a 20-year-old. I don't think that's necessary. I do think that there's a place for fighting in the game of hockey, because I've from having played in the past and playing like a league without fighting uh, at all allowed, like you're instantly suspended. It led to a lot of guys just doing a lot of dumb shit and trying to hurt people rather than like fighting someone, in which case you have a lower chance of a serious injury. Like personally speaking, I know someone that said, I'm going to go out and injure this guy. I'm going to go out and injure this guy. He gets put out. He skates from one end to the other, put him through the boards and broke his collarbone. So I do think there's a place for fighting, but I don't mind that the queue is where they're facing it out. Yeah, and I mean... I've read, uh, I've read a number of people say, like, the NBA has banned fighting. The, like, pro football has banned fighting. NASCAR has banned fighting. The MLB has banned fighting. They all still have fighting in some sense of the... some way. Like, there's still brawls in the MLB sometimes. Um, even though they technically don't have fighting in the game. Uh, I think that there will still be fighting some shape or form, even though they're they're saying that they want to ban it in a black and white way. I don't think they're like unless you're literally gonna say anybody gets anybody who gets in a fight is like infinite we're giving you a Rafi Torres ban. Like <laughs> then you're not banning fighting. You're well, just sort of phasing it out. Well, it is already against the rules. You already do get a penalty for it. Like, it's not like they're like, oh, fighting? Yeah, you go back out on the ice right after. There is a penalty. Like, there's a rule against it. Well, I actually oh, yeah. saw no, in the queue, there was, a, there was a recent game that I was watching, and there was a, if you have a more than a two-goal lead within the last five minutes of the third period, and you have, there's a fight, you're just ejected automatically. I didn't, I haven't seen that before. I just saw that in the box score, and I thought, okay, is that the new rule, or is that something they already had in play before? think that was already a CHL rule. I believe that they put that in. Because, like, the CHL has been gradually fighting, like, 
going against fighting, and I think it, it's been part of why the fighting has just decreased generally is because there's less fighting in the there's less fighting in junior, so there's less fighting in the NHL. It's just the way that the the feeder systems work, and like there's no fighting technically in college hockey right now either. Yeah. Well, Stu, actually, I gotta go disagree with you. Jeff Merrick on the Merrick or on Thirty Two Thoughts was talking about this, and he said he talked reached out to the like the leader of the WHL, the leader of the OHL, the leader of the OHL said, oh, "I'm open to it, but let's let's let Quebec be the test tester. We'll monitor that goes." And then the WHL just went, "No, we're gonna keep fighting." Like so, it, the idea that it, like every part of the CHL is trying to phase it out, I, I gotta correct you on that. Well, no, I'm not. I'm not saying it right now in this move. I'm saying that, like in the they, the CHL as a whole have made moves. Like I know that, um, I'm pretty sure that there's a you get you get a you do get a game suspension across the CHL uh, for a certain amount of fights. I forget. I think it's ten. You get ten fights. You get an automatic um, suspension. Uh, and that's like CHL wide. That's yeah. like a like a Quiznos card. <laughs> I haven't seen many good fights this year. At least collect not. Them, a... Collect them all. And cash in your suspension. Yeah, exactly. Like at, at least of the Frontex games I've been to this year, there really haven't been any notable fights. Uh, but yeah, know. those are. I don't know. That's kind of my thoughts on it. Like, I don't think it's going to be removed from the game. This is also great for Gary Batman because, as you said, I think this will remove fighting in the NHL, but it's without him having to actually declare anything. And we're already seeing the rule implementation of uh, the instigator penalty coming out more and more, like, instantaneously after the GM meeting on uh, when someone challenges a, a clean hit fight. And I have no issue with the challenge being made there because when you're on the ice, usually you're not necessarily paying attention to the ref. Like, if your head's turned the right wrong way and you just hear your guy get wrecked, you'll turn and you see him on the ice. Your reaction isn't, oh, is there a penalty being called? No, it's just I want to stand up for my guy. So I don't have an issue with that. I like If someone, if I was on the Oilers, someone ran Connor McDavid, I'd be like, yeah, I'm taking the instigator. I want to find a way to deter you from going after my star player. Yeah, and I think I think that and has probably, to be the... That has to be the the mantra going forward is that, you know, we you have to have someone on the team willing to take a game suspension or a two-game suspension to set the tone of, like, you can't just run our best players, you know, into oblivion and say, well, there's nothing you can do about it because we've outlawed fighting. Like, I, th- I still think there has to be some form of, of retribution if you are going out and just, you know, headhunting or if you're doing something to intentionally injure someone. Just because you know, well, we can't, we can't really do anything to stop it. So it's, I, I still think there are, you know, there, there is room in the game for players that have some sandpaper and some grit. You can't completely remove it because it's some, you know, there, there's still contact and there's still, there's still violence. So. Well, and my my little bit of an issue on the the whole instigator, um, and sort of people looking into this this sort of issue of the instigator it's always been a penalty that could have been called like it's just it's just that the the ref don't use it um and that my my other issue like one of the the hits that people bring up all of the time in this um as a clean hit that he shouldn't have had to fight for is the the true bone cadre hit and in real time when I was watching that, 
I thought it was dirty, and I would have been running to go fight him. Truba like, also has a reputation of just throwing his elbows out there. So that does not help Truba's case in this scenario. And, like, like, like people say that there should be an instigator penalty for people fighting on clean hits. Well, you're going to have... It, like, people people aren't going to agree what's a clean hit, and then we're going to get into more gray area on when we should be calling this. Like, I just don't... I, I get that we want to try and increase player safety. I just don't see how this how we can how we can move things forward on this issue like just by sort of saying hey referees this penalty exists like uh, well no but that's not true right. they like like uh, ever since the gm meeting we have seen the instigator called like like i think the uptick in it is over 200 percent more the chl like, instigator penalty meeting, is they, is, is no, thrown this is out NHL, like sorry. I know, but I'm just saying, like at least any game okay. I go to, the CHL throws out instigator penalties like they're candy. It's yep. it's it's incredible how many instigator penalties there are nowadays in the CHL. It's like you can't even look at someone the wrong way without the ref calling an instigator penalty. So, uh, it's it's kind of and subjective. As far as, like... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say it's subjective ref, like ref by ref. I know some refs in Kingston at least have a, have a reputation of, of throwing out those instigator penalties just willy nilly. And it, the amount of, the amount of power plays I saw at the last game against Peterborough, the the first period took almost an hour to complete. And it was just, it was just mayhem nonstop, but it was, it was because, you know, you had guys from Kingston just mugging players from Peterborough and trying to start fights with guys that had no interest in starting fights. And that's half the problem is that, you know, you guys don't really want to fight most of the time. They only they only do it when they have to. Or it's a guy that is, you know, like an Arbor Jack guy who everyone knows if you do something, you have to answer to this guy. Which, this is actually something I want to bring up. If you look at Justin Barron for the Montreal Canadiens this year, he's looked really good in the last few months. You cannot tell me that he should not have been on the opening day roster over Arbor Jackeye. I think the only reason that Arbor makes that roster is because he's the guy on the team that, you know, he can answer the bell and he he can bring that that physical element that they didn't really have. I still, I don't, as long as there's a guys like Arbor Jackeye who still have enough skill to, to you know, to make up for their limitations, there's always room for guys like that. And that you can never really get rid of fighting because as long as you have players like Cole Caulfield on your team, you need to have guys like Arbor Jackeye. I will make the one argument about the opening roster thing is, you know, with Baron, I don't think you guys were in a situation where you're trying to rush him to like to join the team right away. And Arbor, I don't think his ceiling's much higher than it currently is, but his floor's not much lower. And I think he provides more defense. So at the beginning of the year, like you want to keep your spirits high. You don't want to get blown out 7 nothing every game. So maybe inserting a guy who's a little just more defensive and then also clears the front of your net makes your goalie his life a lot better. And, you know, Jake Allen not being a young goalie and you want to sustain him for the whole year. So I could definitely see, like, other reasons why you'd have Jack Guy over Baron to start the year. Um, but as far as, like, pure skill, yeah, no, like, Baron's significantly better, probably was from the beginning of the year, but... I don't think just letting... Like, he played in the AHL, right? Prior? Arbor? It was AHL to NHL was his move. Uh, Arbor played very, very, no. very... Oh, Baron, no, yeah. No, no, not Arbor. 
Um, Baron, yeah, this Baron, season he went from AHL to NHL. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So he, I don't see any harm in like he's having him play in the minors, like playing against men and like getting just more used to getting closer to the speed of the real game, like getting him used to that for the first while. I think it would have maybe been a mistake to just say throw him to the fire, throw him to the wolves, and maybe you guys win or lose game six four rather than three two. I actually think it was a good call by the Canadians to keep Baron. Baron demoted in the AHL I think his game really developed in Laval and I, I'm not saying that they were wrong to do it I'm just saying I think the reasoning behind keeping Baron down in Laval was more so that I think Jack I just provided an element that they didn't have and he also was an absolute he was a fan favorite right from the bat like they they were taking advantage of his of his kind of celebrity I think to a degree okay I think he also represents just a bit more of a safe, quote-unquote, player for a coach um, than Barron. Not that, like, not that Barron's, like, like I know that he's 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 pretty smart, but uh, just, like, those smaller offensive-minded defensemen coaches tend to sort of box into the, this can be kind of scary for me. Being a Sharks fan, I mean, Jacob Begna was phenomenal beside uh, Eric Carlson, and that guy has less skill in his like in his whole body than I probably do in my pinky toe, and I'm not a very good player. But he was still just a phenomenal guy because he is one of those steady kind of guys. And that's what I could see Arbor being, is like, just put staple him beside uh, Lane Hudson in the future. Again, small guy, you don't want to necessarily mess with him, and you have someone to be able to clear the front of the net, because like, that's something that Lane Hudson's probably going to struggle with. So, you know, you have those, here's your deficiencies in one guy, here's the deficiencies in the other, put them together as a pair. You kind of try to balance out those weaknesses and strengths. No, I definitely agree there. Oh. So, the Prospect League playoffs are now over in Dynasty League 32. I was victorious. I don't think there's really a huge surprise there. I probably spent, like, at least 400 hours on this league this year so i will i will happily take the crown for year one i don't think it's going to happen again in year two because my team is all going to be in the ahl next year so my one year reign will probably come to an end but with some changes coming let's look in at the top well let's look in at the uh the top 16 of our of our league here so riley you right now are positioned most likely you're going to have the second overall pick. I would be surprised yep, if I you am. didn't take Fantilli. I don't want to, I don't want to necessarily like, you know, I, I don't want everyone to know what I'm you're taking, doing. I'm taking Fantilli. You're taking Fantilli. Okay. Well, there's, there's not a lot of mystery. I'm taking now. Fantilli. now, if you get number one, are you trading it? Are you still taking Bedard? Uh, I don't, I don't think anyone. Uh, no, if I get, if I get number one, I'm taking Bedard, but I, I don't, I really don't see a way I'm, I'm getting that. Uh, purely stated, I was lucky to get out of, out of uh, the first round of the, the regulation tournament. Uh, so I'm very happy that I didn't end up, uh, that I am in the situation I'm in. Yeah, you are, you are definitely not wrong there. You, you really pulled that out at the last minute. I don't. Was that a Timo Meyer empty net goal that got you the win? Because Timo had no points, it and then... It was... It was definitely yeah, a late goal or something. Yeah, it was the fact that Timo Meyer empty <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's... Oh, that's... I love garbage time fantasy hockey. It's it's truly incredible. I think my team actually won uh, their weekly matchup mostly off of, of garbage time. 
So my next little yeah. So Minnesota, if you're out here listening, oh, I feel so bad for if Minnesota. If you're out here listening to this, Minnesota, go fuck yourself. <laughs> you know, it's interesting though, Minnesota. So if you're gonna do a rebuild, I love what Minnesota has done. They're gonna have, barring a collapse, they're gonna have third overall. They're gonna beat Detroit this week. That's not a. That's not really gonna be a big surprise. But they're gonna have third overall. They're gonna have seventeenth. And then they're going to have 21, 22, and 23. Uh, they're probably going to end up having like 31 or 32. Depends on what Chicago does. But I think Chicago makes it to the final. Um, either way, it's going to be really like Minnesota is going to have so much ammunition to move up this year. I cannot wait to see what they do. I think they're going to try to move into the top 10. Yeah, and they, and they already have Offman. They already have Marco Casper. They already have um, uh, William Eklund. So they, they do already have some pretty good pieces to work around as well. Honestly, their main thing is I, I don't see much of a decor future. Like, J.J. Moser is kind of the one guy for the future for them on the back end. So they're going to have to figure that out. But well, I, I do think they're positioning themselves well. The, the one thing about this draft, I don't think there's a defenseman who I would move up for. Um, I like Sandy and Pelica. He's definitely my favorite of the defense in this year's draft. That being said... If you're willing to take some risk on a like a Mikhail Gulayev, really good player. The only issue with him, you have the Russian factor, and what do you do with the Russians this year? That's my next topic. Uh, so Riley, let's let's go to a hypothetical world where you lost last week, and then let's say you lost again this week. What would you do if you had the fourth overall pick? Okay, so I have the fourth overall pick. Do and, you want, like, off and Car- the board? Carlson went third. Who's off the board at this point? Like, Bedard, Fantilli, Carlson, Carlson off the board. Yeah. I would be trading a... Yeah, I'd be trading that pick to all hell. I have want nothing to do with Mishkov because he doesn't really fit my team's timeline, in my opinion. And I'm terrified that, you know, he's more... If Honestly, is he more likely to die in Ukraine at the front lines than to, to make it over to the NHL? Hard to say, so I'd rather just like try to trade it down and get someone that I think could actually be a factor for me than a maybe generational talent. Like it's such a high risk in my opinion that I would not be willing to to make that pick out for. Looking at your team, though, I probably wouldn't take Mitchkov in the first round. And see, like I, I hear that, and I think to myself, "Oh boy," because you know if he's available at eighteen or nineteen, I might move up six spots and try to try to make a trade to get him because okay if you if the idea that you can't get any value from him isn't necessarily true you still get his you still get his points for the next three years assuming he's not um you know he, he's not off in the war but assuming all is right with the world and you know mitch Cobb does come over in three years i don't think your team is necessarily i don't think your timeline is like oh we have a window like all of your best players like your best player being Adam Fox, he's twenty five. Your window is six, seven years. So getting Mitch Kov at twenty one oh, years old sure. on an ELC, that that's such a good asset to use. Using him at fourth overall, I think there's a lot of risk there, but I don't necessarily think there's anyone else in this draft who comes with the same reward. Like even Fantilli and Carlson, I don't help. think they're gonna have the same fantasy production that Mitch Kov will have in and the NHL. Like, Mishikov could help you win a prospects league in the next two years. 
I mean, he's he's basically a point like, per game in the and, KHL. So, he's only going to get better in the next two years. But without years. giving too much... Without giving too much away, I do have a ton of cap space this upcoming like year, and I think I could weaponize it to actually make a turnaround for next year, especially using a guy like Vantilli, who I think will be... Honestly, I've made this prediction. I think he might end up with more points than Bedard in year one. Yeah. Simply because I think that his game is better suited for year one than Bedard might be. I like he, as we saw in the in the last game of the World Juniors, he was fine accepting a bottom six role and actually looked better in that role. I I have some issues with Bedard, and that's something I've actually read from. Yeah, like my 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 issue with Bedard seems to be when he's when he doesn't have the puck, what is he doing? Uh, there's a lot of kind of lackadaisical play. He gets a little bit. I'm not going to call him lazy. He's definitely not a lazy player. He plays, you know, he kills penalties. He's always on the ice. He plays 25 minutes a game easily. I, I CHL doesn't really post time on ice stats, but just from watching all like all, a lot of his games, he's constantly on the ice. But there was a really interesting game I just watched. I, I was watching him play against Nate Danielson. Danielson was basically shadowing him most of the game. Uh, it was... A really interesting watch because Brandon really shut Bedard down for about 58 minutes until Bedard got a tip from the point and, you know, scored the winning goal. People will say, oh, you know, well, that's what Bedard does. You know, he scores the clutch goals. He was not good in that game. I will, you know, he had, he made some chances. He, he you know, he, pro- he produced some plays for his, his teammates, but he, Danielson was far and away the better player in that game. And I... You know, I've seen Nate Danielson ranked in the 20s. I've seen him ranked fifth overall by Pronman. If you're taking, like, if you're picking fourth overall and you don't want to, you know, take a little bit of a gamble on a guy like Benson, who's a bit smaller, but he's a dynamo, like, a, just a dynamo offensively. You would love watching Benson play. Oh, Benson's so much fun. He, I don't necessarily think oh his his style of play will work as much in the NHL right now. Um, he needs a year at least to put on 10 pounds his his balance i I compare him to eckland yeah that's a good comparison um he just makes so much like so he makes so much happen he's just so much fun to watch um the way he manipulates angles especially in the power play um like he makes he creates so many passing lanes for himself it's just incredible to watch he's definitely more of a playmaker than bedard not to say that he's a better playmaker he's just more he's looking to pass more than he's looking to shoot. Um, yeah. Benson would be a guy that I think you have to look at with the fourth pick. Whoever is either picking there or trading into that pick. It's, I, I cannot, I cannot even begin to fathom the choice that that team will have to make just because you've basically got 25 players you're choosing between. And, you know, you could get a better player in the twenties this year than you could at fifth overall. It's really going to be fun. So, I'm I'm so I'm so glad I don't have to make that choice. Yeah, you should be. That's I mean Minnesota will have third overall. So, so I think I think Leo Carlson is a is an amazing consolation prize for losing that matchup by two points. I, I don't think Carlson projects to be that much worse of a fantasy player in comparison to Fantilli. If anything, I think Carlson's game is a bit more offensive minded. That doesn't that's not to negate Fantilli. I think Fantilli's just his, his NCAA numbers this year were actually incredible. It, it kind of has gone under the radar just because of what Bedard has done and what Mitchkov is doing and what Carlson has done in the SHL. 
I mean, you've got Benson lighting up the WHL. There's so many players in this year's draft who are just putting up stupid numbers. And then, if you go and to the NCAA... Philly is six foot two and not afraid to use his body and not afraid to go into the corner, not afraid to position himself well, and he's very strong in his skates. So, like, that to me, like I said, like, I think year one, he might actually outproduce Bedard. Like, and that, that may sound crazy, but I think it's a mixture of, I think... Chances are, let's say Bedard goes to Columbus, I don't think that's a great fit for year one for him to do well. Um, but I just feel like Fantilli, like, for everything I've read about him, apparently he's, like, one of the most coachable guys. Like, well, we saw, we saw that at the World Juniors, right? Like, he was not having, like, not necessarily having an impact offensively, but he was playing in that sort of more of a depth role and just accepted it and played really well. Yeah, and just for the record, in his last 10 games, he has 10 goals, 7 assists for 17 points and a plus 14. Yeah, so that's the interesting thing. Like, I think most Toronto fans right now, I, I Stuart, would you expect Matthew Knies, Knies, I don't know how to, is it Knies or is it Knies? I'm not entirely sure. He He's going to be playing in the nice. playoffs, correct? Like, he will be making the um, jump. In... He, like, I have heard... I've heard there's a chance he plays playoff games this year. It would not shock me. I've, I've like, seen him projected to be on the third line. It wouldn't shock me either, because, like, you look, at, you look at the bottom of the Leafs, like, lineup, and, like, recently they've been playing Wayne Simmons or, like, Bobby McMahon, and I think Matthew Knight's offers more than both of those guys, for sure. And I saw an interesting statistic. Since the trade deadline, and they made all those moves to kind of really shake up the bottom six... Their five-on-five scoring has been the worst in the NHL, so they're gonna have to find an injection of of offense somewhere. And I think Nyes brings, you know, has the most potential to actually add something to the team. An interesting stat, though, just to look at Fantilli, he's so NHL ready. He had twenty more points than Nyes this yep. year, who was going for. He's up for the Hobie Baker. You also he has nine more points than Cooley, who was incredible for Minnesota this year as well. Um, yeah, it's... Fantilli's going to be very, very good. I would not be shocked to see him put up 70 points and probably win the Calder because I think he has more of a 200-foot impact than Bedard next year. My my wondering, and I, it's literally just based on the they're both small players, is that... It'll take Bernard a year or two, and then it'll be like, oh, wow, that guy's figured it out. I'll, yeah. I'll add Jack Hughes. Yeah, that like, would be, that would be kind sort of... of... And a year, a year or two, like, we can see, the, we can see the, the talent, we can see the pieces, and then, bam. Brings it all together. Suddenly you're like, oh yeah, that guy's a superstar. <laughs> it also so, depends on the team he goes to. Up actually about Nyes. Oh yeah, go with, go ahead with Nyes. Yeah, uh, is he also plays with skill. Like, he's playing on a line with Logan Cooley and Snuggeroo, which I saw a post way earlier, and you guys can answer this after, but apparently that line right there could be better than, like, half of the team's, like, real-life second lines. And I was like, okay, that's an interesting, like, debate. But, but I, what I will say is, like, he's playing with guys who are clearly very skilled, so the idea that he could slot into the top six, even, of the Leafs, especially if there's, like, some sort of injury, um, I know that Leafs fans would much rather never see um, 
uh, Kerfoot ever again in their top six. So the idea that he could slide in there isn't out of the question in my eyes because he's been playing with skill. Like, there's something to be said about guys that could do that. Like, look at Zach Hyman this year. Look at what Michael Bunting's able to do. Are they the best players? No. They know how to play with guys with skill. Yeah, that's... that's... And they know the right places to be. And that's definitely something to be, you know, that's something definitely to be said. I know Jimmy Snuggerud, he is a... Uh, he has increased his stock as a prospect. Love that game. Oh man, like I, I think he is on the Rangers if I'm not mistaken. I inquired about him, and it was a pretty much it was like it was one of those automatic no's. Yeah, it was a it was a very quick no, and it was one of those like yeah, half the leagues inquired about him. I'm not trading him because he's one of those players where like he was drafted in the 20s only about a year ago. So unless you're really following up, you think oh his stock isn't you know that that high. No, he should have been a top 10 pick. Uh, last year's draft is going to go down as one of those drafts where I think a lot of people are just going to look back and say, like, what were NHL teams doing last year? Like, there were some really questionable picks last year. And, uh, yeah, him yeah. him falling was, was one of them. How's, the, how's that Yuri Slavkovsky guy looking? You know... Uh, he's looking a lot like Shea Weber. Pretty good in the lineup, but seems to enjoy the hospital then. Yeah, I'm... I'm I'm going to reserve comment on him just because I, I think he needs, he should have been in Laval. He should have been in the CHL. I, I don't, they were, they were patient with some prospects and they're being incredibly impatient with others. And it's, it's a frustrating Canadians trend that has now carried over from one regime to the other and it needs to end. So hopefully whoever they pick up with, you know, their top five, top six pick and their top 15 pick this year, I mean, their top 15 pick will be, you know, he won't be rushed, but whoever they get in the top six, if they rush that player, it's a big mistake. So crazy hypothetical, if Arizona was to pick Bedard in real life, would you send him back to junior for another year? Uh, no. I don't... No. He's too valuable of a asset, not just on the ice but for that franchise you get him in as soon as you can and you just you just milk it for all it's show worth. him off to 3,000 fans I, yeah you get him to sell out you're already selling out building yeah, yeah. you're already selling out and also you save a year of the ELC burn I'm I'm actually I, I'm 100% convinced he's Bedard is going to Columbus which is one of the things I was going to bring up if Bedard goes to a team like Montreal I can see him really, really struggling in year one. Uh, same with like going to a team like Chicago. The infrastructure on the ice there is just, it's, they're barren of, you know, they're devoid of good players right now. So if he goes to a team like Columbus, however, he's going to have, you know, Goudreau and Line to pass the puck to, to, to receive the puck from. I could see him putting up 80 points in Columbus in year one. I disagree with you because I think Kent Johnson still has that top line role ahead of him. And even then, Boone Jenner's been playing it this year. Kent's not even getting that opportunity. So I don't think year one they would actually play him with those guys. Yeah, he'd still get the power play with them, I'm sure. But I don't think he'd actually get that opportunity right away. Where I disagree is if you watch Connor Bedard play against players like, like just watch him against Winnipeg Ice and go up against, you know, Carson Lambos and Ben Zlotti to. Like, Ben Zlotti's an overage defender. I, I believe you actually had him on your prospect team. Um, and then Carson Lambos, who's a first-round pick of the, the Wild, he's just burning them consistently. And these guys are, you know, 
Zlotti's a he's a power yeah, play guy. He's, he's an offensive guy. But like Bedard is just burning top prospects who are in their you know their draft plus one year, their draft plus two years. He's ready to like his skating ability. He's ready to go in and I think to compete on the the first line of any team he, he joins. I don't think he should be on the second line and being held back for a guy like Kent Johnson. The only player I would hold back, you know, Bedard for is a McDavid or a Drysaitel or Crosby. Like you don't hold, you don't put Bedard on the second or third line for, for any reason other than you already have an established top five player. See, that's where I'm going to disagree with you. Like if San Jose ends up with Bedard, I don't want him playing the first line. I think you leave that to Hurdle. You let him take on the McDavid's. Let him take on the Zabetta Jazz. Like whatever. Like you let him face that. And then you play him beside Couture as a winger, even. So you're giving him another really good player. Maybe Barabanov there, uh, Zetterlin there, not totally sure. Eklund there. I would agree. I would agree. you, like. I, just... I would tend to agree you do not want him playing center early in his career. Unless unless you think he's a center long term. I, I don't. I don't think he's not a I think center. If, if you want him to... But I don't think he's. I don't think he's a great. I think he could be a really, 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 really good winger. And I think he could just be a great... I don't know. I'm torn on Bedard. He's incredible. The if, talent is so obvious. Him, but, oh. There's there's some issues in his game. If you want him to, <clears throat> I think if you want him to play center, um, there are some teams, like, like Riley mentioned, where you have like a veteran guy who you can put and like happily put against the other team's top line and just use Bedard against a second line uh I think that that could help him like not having to play against Matthews McDavid Crosby yeah look at John Tavares yeah if he if he if he's playing against John Tavares he's gonna skate him down the rink and He's not gonna. He's gonna leave him in his dust. Like that sort of, that sort of feel. Like I think he can. He could probably come in and dominate second lines in this in the NHL. Maybe. <laughs> no, I, rather I, than maybe struggle defensively against top lines. That I, I think, think it, he will it all struggle depends defensively. On if you've got, if you've got the other center to to be able to do that. No. What do you think is the best landing spot? No, I, I was talking this. What would you say is the best landing spot for Bedard if you were taking the, the just the bottom six teams right now? So you've got the Canadians, the the Blue Jackets, the Flyers. Uh, just one second here: Canadians, Blue Jackets, Flyers, Blackhawks, Coyotes, Sharks, and Ducks. I think the Ducks are probably the best. Ducks or Blue? You want to go next because I have a bit of a homer rant after. All right, you go, 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 Riley. Let's hear it. You want, okay, so I would say San Jose because honestly, we have 16 million in cap space this upcoming uh, off season, and we only have guys who I think are going to make up at most probably about four mil on our own roster. So that takes away four of the 16, leaving us with 12. And then we want to sign a goalie. I'm looking at probably Tristan Jari, Mackenzie Blackwood. Um, Mandelosi in a trade because it seems like he's not going to be all one out in Ottawa. Again, coming in pretty cheap. So we still have money there. We could probably sign like a Max Domi. We could even sign like um, who was it? Uh, Ivan Barbashev. Like there's some 
good talent that we could sign for our depth. And then you get to put him in a lineup where, like I said, second line, you could shield him and he could be playing with Logan Couture and Willie Macklin. That's great talent. And they would still have Eric Carlson, the best defenseman in the league. So I think you're setting him up for an opportunity to actually succeed in year two. Plus being in the West, the West is still wide open. Like, I don't think anyone who's in the bottom is making a leap and bound next year without a Connor Bedard. And then um, you're setting him up to start a winning mindset early in his career. Yeah, they have some other contracts they'll have to deal with, but when that ELC expires, you'll have the $8 million off of uh, Velasic coming off the books, Shimmick will be off the books, uh, Eric Carlson's going to be off the books by that time, actually. So Mario Farrar will be off the books. So by the time this ELC ends, you could even see a whole new regime coming in, but at least you've now developed a guy in a situation where he can try to win starting year one. Because that turnaround in San Jose could be faster, if depending on how aggressive my career is with it. So I'm going to disagree, and I'm going to say my number one spot for him would be Anaheim. Anaheim has the prospect pool in Anaheim for the first reason. You've got Mason McTavish. You've got Tra- like you've got Zegris. You've got McTavish. Right there, those are two really good forward building blocks. And then once you add in their defense, it's just insane. Um, I, I need yeah, a, I the top three CHL scores. I, I, yeah, so you've got Minchikov. On defense, sorry. Yeah, you've got Zellweger. You've got who am I missing here? Uh, Tristan Luno. Oh, good lord! It's just it's it's nonstop with Anaheim, and their their drafting is just it's incredible. They actually have Drysdale. A, oh yeah, Jamie Drysdale. Good, like it's just yeah, it's they're gonna yeah. they're gonna move two of those guys or one of those guys, but yes. in terms of puck That's good mo- to say because they all play the same sort of game. Yeah, in terms of puck movers who can get the puck to Bedard and to, who can get the puck to those forwards, Anaheim has them. Eric Carlson. The only, yeah, but Carlson is a player who we were talking about as the worst contract in the NHL, not like 12 months ago. Not saying he's going to revert back yeah. to that, but there is the potential that for that to happen. almost at 100 points. Yeah, he's now set a career highs in goals and assists. Yeah, I know. And he has more five, or the same amount of five, five points as McDavid. He's, he's undoubtedly incredible this year. I'm just saying, if I was betting on Carlson, you know, five years from now, or Anaheim's defensive core five years from now, I'm going to take Anaheim's, just, you know, potential alone. Um, but five years from now, that contract's off the books. Oh, yeah, it's true, and it's, it's not even the contract. Yeah, I'm just talking years, about the players. I'm five just, years from now. I just, I just no, think I Anaheim just, like, has I, the... I see the, future, I see the future aspect. Anaheim to me has the has the foundation already built. All they need is that one superstar just to push them over the edge. The other team that would be really interesting would be Columbus. Um, they've already got Line, they've already got Goudreau, they've got Ken Johnson. You know, there's some really they've got uh, Sillinger. The defense there is really interesting. I love Yurichek. Uh He he started the year yeah, on same. fire in the AHL. I would have been happy with Yurichek at first overall. Uh, I, I was high on Nemec going into the into this like into that draft last year, but yeah, I think Yurichek would have been other than maybe like Lane Hudson. I don't know who you could have taken it first overall and be happier about right now, but um, oh, sorry. Can I ask right? you this question, Kevin. Yeah. Who who do you think who do you think projects to be a better player, Logan Cooley or Trevor Zegers? Uh, I mean, we've already seen Zegris be a really good player. 
I really, really, really like Logan Cooley. Yeah, me too. Because if you want to talk about prospect pools and picks and whatnot, like Arizona technically would be a great one. I was thinking I was going to go just with Arizona as the best landing spot for Conan Bedard. But Arizona has also bungled so many draft picks. I don't trust them to develop players either. Like, Soderstrom's taken forever to get there. Um, not forever, I mean, but he's, he's it's been a fumbled slow a bunch of, of picks, too. And then yeah. how did it go with Connor McDavid? Well, you can't really fumble Connor McDavid, and I feel like Bedard's kind of the same boat. No, you can't fumble those players, but you can fumble everything else around them, and Edmonton has been doing that consistently for the last, you know, eight years. So, I mean, conference I... finals speak for themselves. Until, like, I don't know, the last two years, they hadn't managed to do much. But you, you've got a player playing at a level that's, like, he's he's head and shoulders above just the second best player in the league, and he can't even get his team past, you know, the conference finals. At the level he of dominance, he's just... Like, riding the streets if he could do that. Like, I'm just saying, like, at the level of dominance he's, he's playing at right now, his team, he should have more team success to show for it, and I'm not blaming McDavid at all i'm saying the fact they have they don't have more success is is an indication that they're not they're just not building a good team around him and that's why like i wouldn't want bedard to go to arizona because i don't think they can build a good team around him they haven't proven they've ever been able to do it nhl is that's why the nhl is less of a superstar league than the nba oh and that's why i love the nhl because anyone can you've got 12 you've got 12 guys on the ice every night and the best player touches the puck 40% 40% of the time? Well, I mean, well unless you're Kovalev, in which case you're... you're yeah. you, uh, then, you're he t- then he touches the puck like 10% of the time, but it's going in like 5 No, I was going to say, then there was a game where Mike Keaton was punishing him, and the way he punished him was... So he thought that Kovalev was taking too many uh, long shifts, so the way he punished him was like, okay, I'm just not going to let you come off. So he took a 6-minute shift and uh, scored at the very end of it, and he did not see it as a punishment. Why can't McDavid do that? <laughs> How many minutes before he's not the fastest player on the ice? Like, straight. I, I want to see McDavid play, like, a full 58 minutes, take a two-minute penalty for a rest. Oh, like, if you want to see... If you want to see someone do that, just watch Regina this year. Breathing down your neck. No, just watch Bedard this year. He He's playing, like... He's playing 25, 30 minutes every game. But, Yeah. Anyways, sorry, I, I spaced out for a minute there, boys. No, I was going to say, speaking of anyone can win on every, any given night, uh, in fantasy, we had quite but, the... Yeah, up- I won't fight you on the Arizona thing. I think, you like, again, we, we could talk ourselves into almost any of these options, because, like, Montreal, I think they probably have a very promising team coming up, too. Like, you'll have ways to... You can play them as a winger, because you have Doc, you have Dvorak, you have Suzuki, like... You have all these different guys that you can fit around. Well, I think Marty St. Louis has proven to be a really good coach, so I think that would be a good situation for him to have that kind of coach around him. So I think you could kind of talk yourself into any of these situations. Again, I only pick San Jose because I think you can get him in a winning environment before any of those other teams. Yeah, I still think Anaheim has has bit more already there. but Arizona, like if they hadn't traded Chikrin for pennies on the dollar and somehow manage to keep him, like, oh. that would, like, just thinking about that, like, if you had Bedard and Cooley and Chikrin next year, like... 
and then, Gunther, and then their top line has been one of the better top lines in, in the oh, whole league. Yeah, I was going to say Clayton Keller's been on fire this year. Well, it's not just Keller. It's that whole line of Keller, Hayden, and Schmaltz has just been mucking it up, especially since uh, they acquired Jacob Voracek. Man, that guy, whew. It's been good to see Barrett Hayden have a resurgence. Cause he I don't was... know if you guys know what I'm referencing, but he got rated highly for the like locker room thing in the, the players' poll. Oh yeah, oh. and but he was listed as an Arizona player, and you know he's been hurt and like That's probably true. won't play again. Yeah, so and then uh, the funny part is, ever since they traded for him, they're they've been on fire. So as good in the locker room for them as uh, Pavel Dabzuk, <laughs> doubt it, or Patrick Kane, <laughs> Chris Pronger. So. Uh, I don't know if anyone noticed uh, here, but uh, there was a pretty big upset last week in our playoffs. Dallas. Kevin, you still here? Yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm talking right now, boys. C- can you hear me? Hello. Oh, there you are. You're back. All right. I, I was always there, but that's okay. All right. So, okay. did, uh, did any of you notice that Buffalo lost last week? You did not notice that. I'm just saying, because we basically instituted a salary cap because of Buffalo. Well, Buffalo and Boston, but mostly Buffalo. They were the team that really scared me. Like, I was looking at them, and I'm like, how is anyone ever going to beat Buffalo moving forward? Because they, they just don't have to trade any other players, and they'll just be fine. So, yeah, having a having a salary cap will definitely, definitely help our league. But uh, Buffalo losing to Dallas, I did not see that coming. They have no goaltending. Uh, they have Carter Hart. I stand by my point. They have no goaltending. <laughs> I know. I'm just. I did not see Dallas beating Buffalo, especially after Buffalo made some of those trades to to strengthen their their team going forward. Like they picked up Stamkos, and Stamkos had himself a really good week last week too. Um, Jason Robertson had a great week. Some of his pickups did not have good weeks. Uh, Robert Thomas was was a bit of a dud. But then again, Pajot had a great week for him. Like he put up 320, 319 and a half points and, and he still lost. So that's that's really tough. But yeah, that's why I love What's fantasy. Funny to me is you made a trade with both those you made a trade with both those teams to make them more more competitive with well, I know. Lawton to Dallas and I traded with with Dallas too. Yeah, so that that laughed in trade. Oh, that one it actually didn't end up helping him all that much last week. Like, Lafton only had nine and a half points. And if you look at Buffalo, like, Buffalo actually did really well from that trade. They got Pajot, you know, Pajot and Stamkos together have 60 points last week. Um, Hold on, can you say uh, Lawton again for me? Is it Lafton? Lawton? Lafton or Lawton? I say Lafton. I've never heard Lafton ever. It's Lafton. <laughs> it's got Lafton now. Lafton. <laughs> that is that is iconic. I personally think my pronunciation of Scott Lafton is a lot better, but you know what? I don't need this from you guys. I mean, he plays for Philly, so I think a fifth. Yeah, well. Uh, just want to point something out, though. My trade with Buffalo, uh, I made a lot of really bad trades this year. Like, I traded Luke Hughes for Rucker McRorty and Jordan Spence might not end up being terrible in the long run but uh that was idiotic on my part never ever trade someone just because they looked bad in like one world junior game I I don't know what I was thinking I probably wasn't but 
That's they okay. They never traded goalie for goalie because he had uh, a good World Junior. Never trade away a goalie because you have trust in a good World Junior goalie. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I picked up Adam Gajan. Gajan, Gajan, I don't know. He, I picked him up, and he's probably going to end up being a, a second-round pick this year. So I'm I, I'm not, you know, the World Juniors, you know, you, you will find some good players from that tournament because probably not Canadian players, but you'll generally find some solid European players. San Jose, you got uh, Bogdan's Hodas from Latvia out of that tournament. So, granted, they won't. Uh, I think I dropped him in the end, but yeah. Ah, uh, well, he had, he's actually having a solid year in Medicine Hat. Uh, not not a not a terrible yep. player, but uh, he might get drafted this year. I, I would be I would be surprised if he does, but he he's a big guy. But no, um, so I got I got two uh, two players out of that trade when I when I traded Stamkos. I got Forster and McTavish. Uh, Tyson Forster is having himself a nice little start to his NHL career. He is averaging like him. five and a half points per game through six games. Uh, that that is that is really nice, and I'm I am That's not really I'm really not complaining about that. Uh, Tortorella likes him, so even if Tortorella is still around next year, which I expect him to be, at least I know Forster isn't in his, in his doghouse yet. That's a really good sign because with Tortorella, you can go from being you know a good player to not playing in you know the span of a week so there's something to unless be said. he likes you yeah and he appears to really like tyson forrester just look at look at boone jenner's ice time well tortorello is coach oh man that's criminal. he loved that guy yeah criminal how much he played boone jenner but oh oh speaking and i think boone jenner loved him so <laughs> Yeah, I think I think Tortorella is a good guy. I think he just rubs you know rubs people the wrong way after a while. He's he's one of those guys that like I think he can come in for he's a year. A, he's a shelf like coach. Yeah, I think he's a hypocrite. You know, I think he's such a big hypocrite. When he's in the media, he's like, oh man, they gotta talk to the media. And then as soon as he gets a coaching job, he's like, fuck off, media. And then he <laughs> apologizes to the fans in the letter, and the next day he says, oh, it's not that bad. It's not really like. He just declines to comment on how bad the team's doing, like, stuff like that. Like, he's just, I just think he's a hypocrite. But he's really, really good at making teams that shouldn't do well get a lot of loser points. Yeah, I I think he's... He's really good at ties. He's he's proven to be a solid coach in the NHL, evidenced by the fact he's had, like, 18,000 head coaching jobs. I can't think of a team he hasn't had been a head coach for at this point, other than Montreal, because they wouldn't hire him, you know, an English speaking dude. But never been the Leafs coach. Yeah, uh, Sharks coach. Okay, whatever. It's it was supposed to be a joke, but you've you've kind of ruined it at this point. So that's <laughs> whatever. <laughs> you just started it. Never been the coach in Detroit. Never been the coach in Boston. Uh, oh. Never been the coach in Anaheim. Tortorella would <laughs> actually be. Tortorella would be so much fun in Boston. Can we just like, oh, he he. I feel like he embodies Boston. I, that's that's kind of a shame he's never coached there. Am I the only one thinking that? Just me? No, I see it. He's. He'd be a stylistic fit for sure. Yeah, I could see him being on the Kings too. Yeah, you know, he he hasn't coached the Flames, but I'm sure Flames coaches or Flames fans would be okay with with Tortorella taking over for Sutter at this point. Speaking of players having an no, absolutely, I don't, I don't think. 
Like I don't. I think that'd be a terrible fit right now. Oh, I'm not saying it'd be a great fit, but I mean, I don't think okay. Flames fans like Sutter, and I don't think Flames players like Sutter. No, they shouldn't. Like Jonathan Huberto has has actually had a terrible year this year, and it it should be noted that I don't know why we're all surprised. He went from eight and a half fantasy points per game last year to four and a half this year. That is a massive yep. swing. Like, we're talking, he's getting three minutes less of ice time per game. I I can't. Well, you're also, you're also taking, a, you're taking a guy who's been quoted as saying, if I could get rid of one rule, I'd get rid of offside so I never had to play defense. And putting him on a guy who's like, every single player needs to play defense for me. I don't see how that stylistically is going to fit. They only play north-south. They play no east-west. Most of their shots are coming from the point and then trying to get tips and rebounds. Again, you have one of the best passers, and you're not even utilizing him to pass. He literally broke a franchise record for most passes last year, and you're not asking him to play that role anymore. I don't know why this was ever going to work. And see, he this was is... such a good stylistic fit with Sasha Barkov, too. Yeah. And there just isn't that guy in Calgary. Like, Kadri, you'd think he is a light version of Barkov, but... Again, I, I think it's just Sutter is screwing him, honestly. Like, more than anything else. Well, Andy, he started him on the wrong... Like, he started him on the wrong wing. Which he yeah. hasn't played that wing in... I forget the exact stat, but it, it felt like ever. <laughs> now, uh... Which, that can't... That can't have been good. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Uh, let me just take a quick look on Cat Friendly. But he signed an extension with the Flames, did he not? He or did. was that Kadri? No, he signed an extension with the Flames no, for he, uh, eight years. Johnny Gaudreau. Eight Johnny years at ten and a half million. How do you move yeah. that? How do you move that contract after like he played the way he played this year? That that's a really ugly deal. And he's got a no. Tra- he's got a he's got a no trade clause too for the first six years of the deal. But he's. Oh, he's you don't have to worry about that. Um, Sutter's made him miserable enough; he'd accept going anywhere else. Yeah, that is true. But I mean, oh. well, they had to they had to like they had to like sell him on coming to Cap uh, coming to Calgary because he was like in tears when he heard about getting traded there. Oh yeah, he was not happy about being traded, and I I I would understand that. I mean, Florida to calgary um yeah that's that's a big downgrade maybe maybe not in in hockey culture but just in terms of weather uh oof yeah that's you avoided paul maurice i guess yeah i guess i i still can't believe florida didn't keep the the interim coach who did they have there last year during the playoffs i can't remember andrew burnett yeah what is he is he head coaching by new jersey yeah, uh, no, he's assistant coach in New Jersey. He's behind Lindy Ruff. Everyone thought he's going to take over for him. There was chance for uh, Ruff to be fired in the first two games, and then the fans shut the fuck up. They even had a chance saying, "Sorry, Lindy." Really? That okay. was when the team turned it around. Yeah, I, I missed that. I was too busy doing a million other things. Hey, the Frontenacs won tonight. Ethan Miedema only had four yeah, goals. Yeah, one of them was nasty. He made the goalie look like his jock strap didn't exist anymore. I'm gonna have to like watch this. I'm gonna have to so watch this game because I've I've actually been so so Minima's he's kind of projected to be a top sixty pick. I don't see it. His skating is just oof. He's stuck in mud. Um, 
it's it's kind yeah. of a it's an issue with with of mine uh, for him. But you know, four goals on four shots tonight against uh, Oshawa in a game that the the France had to win. So yeah, he appears to be uh, producing when it matters most. Are, are they still in shouting distance of a playoff spot? They, out, they were three points. Friday. Yeah, they were down three points to Oshawa going into tonight. So they're only down one point and they play Oshawa again on Sunday. So they have to beat Oshawa on Sunday. Oh, it's it's going to be Confirmed really Shane close. Wright was the problem. Um, the Shane Wright trade will go down as one of the worst no, they, trades they, in the CHL this year. That was a stupid trade by the Frontenacs because they did not get a single first round pick. The two prospects they picked up one of them was Minima and the other one was Gavin McCarthy Gavin they McCarthy exactly in the tunnel leverage though no, no they had zero leverage Seattle yeah. said we're not sending him down for your it's, it's like it's like the 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 I don't know it's kind of it's kind of like Aaron Rodgers here with Green Bay like Green Bay doesn't have the leverage they think they have okay but this is junior hockey and we're talking about the Kingston Frontenacs why not just keep him in Kingston and say like let's just increase ticket sales it's it's totally a different totally a different scale like you don't you don't have the same pressure you don't like like, I don't get it I really don't get it it was one of those things where like you could have got it was Seattle's choice no, but Kingston still didn't have to trade him for a guy in Gavin McCarthy who's never going to show up in town. He's he's already committed to playing in the NCAA next year. Sure, he, he is a very good prospect, and I, I like his game, but he's never going to play for the front, so what's the point? Uh, you, you could have at least got you know a, a first-round pick instead of taking a chance on a player who you, know, you pretty much knew was never going to play. So maybe, maybe I'll have to eat my words next year if he, he decides to show up in, in Kingston, but... It doesn't seem well, likely. The other, I don't know. I guess the other thing is if, if he decides that he does want to play in the CHL, you now hold his rights. So, Yeah, I guess. If he, if he, it, it, you, could, you, could max, you can max Domium if you needed to. I didn't hear any other proposed trades about Shane Wright. Like, no other rumors, nothing. And like I said, like Seattle held all of the cards. I heard a bunch of te- There were a bunch of teams around it. Um, but yes, you were right in that, like, Seattle held most of the cards and saying, trade him. Yeah. Now, I will say, uh, Shane Wright hasn't been spectacular in Windsor. He's been good. Um, I just thought he... The funniest thing to me was he was spectacular. No, I was going to say I expected more. I mean, he's playing with, you know, Maggio, um, who's putting up crazy numbers right now for Windsor uh he's the fifth round pick of the the Islanders I just expected more out of Shane Wright in Windsor but yeah what were you he gonna say spectacular Riley? in Kingston as a Windsor <laughs> yeah he's spectacular in Kingston playing for Windsor yeah I didn't see that he game had a three so. point night that night uh, two power two power play assists <laughs> oh best player I've seen so far this year in Kingston Brant Clark without a shadow of a doubt he's the best defender right now in the chl um i mean that shouldn't be a surprise he was in the ahl played i think five or six games for la this year they send him back down just because la has such a glut of defenders right now and not the not only the nhl but the ahl and i I cannot wait for them to sort that out because jordan spence is uh he's being benched because of their their glut but 
Man, Brent so Clark. So you're being suspenseful. <sighs> Good one, you're Riley. Being suspense. No, I I love Jordan Spence. I picked him up in the second round of the prospects draft. I traded him to get. I think I traded him to get someone. I don't remember. And then I traded him back for him from Vegas. I. He's going to be so good. They just have to give him ice time. Like He's already produced at a solid level in the NHL. I don't know why he's not getting ice time, but whatever. He'll be ready when he does get the chance. So I'm okay with that. Oh, all right. We're going to go for the final topic of the night. This is a bit of a touchy subject. So if you want to turn off the podcast now, go right ahead. I will not uh, be angry at anyone who doesn't want to listen to this part we're going to be talking a little bit here about james reimer um if you guys want to start i i'll just let you guys you know say what you want to say and then i'll, I'll kind of say my piece and then we can kind of have a bit of a a group discussion at the end but i think it's an important subject to talk about mostly because it's it's not just a james reimer issue we've seen it with you know ivan provorov we've seen it with a lot of Russian players. Minnesota but. Wild, New York Rangers, um, New York Islanders. Yeah, I think, and I think, uh, I, I saw... Were an, teams, those are all teams that canceled this Friday night. And I, I saw Vancouver was thinking about it, but they've got too many Russian players, so I think they just nipped that in the bud. <laughs> um, it's, it, I mean, the Russian players thing is bullshit. Two Sharks players who are Russian put on the jersey. We're happy to do it. No, and I'm not. I'm not just saying it's Russians, but um, there was jokes about you know, well, they've got too many Russians, so they're probably not going to do it. Which, yeah. Um, well, then the, the I don't know the the talk around the Minnesota Wild not doing it was because they were worried about um potential repercussions against Kirill Kaprizov who had a tough a tough time getting over at the start of the year. And like I can I can sort of understand it, but I feel like it's a reach and and just I don't know. Just a a bit of a cop out to doing one of these Pride nights that I think are incredibly important for representation and for from what I've heard um through experiences um, there was a good piece where they talked to people um, from the LGBTQ community at the San Jose Sharks Pride Night, and they talked about how just important it is for them to be recognized and for people to want to accept them into these into spaces like hockey arenas. No, and um, so I guess I guess my question would be. Are there not other ways to show your support for uh, the LGBTQ community? Are, are there not ways to show support other than putting on the pride sweater? Is it something that like? Well, okay. Yeah, go ahead, Ryan. So something I want to say about James Reimer specifically. So I myself am uh, identify as a bisexual male. So these nights are very important to me because I grew up playing hockey. I love the sport and I want it to feel comfortable for everyone and anyone. Truly, and. I have actually a lot of respect for James Reimer and the way that he did it. He didn't just pull out last minute. He released a long thing explaining his thoughts. And although I, I do take issue with them, I personally don't feel like you should have to force anyone to support anything that I want to support. But I like to have the right to know who the fuck they think is a bigot. And I shouldn't support. So 
I have respect that he came out and said that, and now I don't have to support him, and so I have that as a on the record. But he was so wishy-washy about it. Like, he was still signing the Pride Pucks for people. He had Pride tape on his stick. Like, he just said that the jersey was too much. That was too far. And as Stu pointed out, if he's such such a Christian, man, he must hate playing against the Devils. That must, like, drive him insane. Or playing on Sundays, that must also be insane. Like, what? Yeah, um... I, it's weird. And when he was talking about, like, oh, you know, I have to listen to, the, like, the verses in the in the Bible. He never references anything specific. So it's just super wishy-washy and weird. And, like, it sucks because everything I've heard is he's a great guy. And yeah. he also had this quote about, like, oh, if we had a Muslim night, like, I would never put on, the like, the Muslim jersey, and I played with Nazim Qadri, and he knows that, and he would have been fine with that. And it's like, well, that's not what this is. And, and if, yeah, it was interesting. I, again, I have no issue with him stepping out, because I get to judge him for that as much as he gets to judge my community. And I have respect, like I said, that he came out well beforehand. It's just, he really seemed like he was picking his battles in such a weird way. And it's a shame. It's a shame that... We still have these people who give a fuck about what someone else is doing with their life. Like, so I don't know if I was to step in and say, like, into someone else's life and just say, "Oh, you know that thing that you that you love and you don't necessarily know why." Yeah, you gotta stop. No matter what it was, let's say it was I don't know. You like driving in your car. Nope, not allowed to drive anymore. What, You'd be like, "What? What the fuck? You're infringing on my rights and freedoms." Yeah. What I would say. Why the fuck do you that. care about what I'm doing? So my, my, my response like, to again, this... And do you, yeah. as a, like, a potential customer, as someone that helps pay your fucking contract, just put on the damn jersey or don't, whatever. But shut up. Like, I don't need you being like, oh, we love everyone, but we're not going to support you. No, just say, I'm not doing it. It goes against my, my, my whatever, my religion, my culture, my beliefs. And I, now I get to sit here and go, cool, I don't support you. And well, I, I've and seen the... I like to, oh, yeah. to touch on... To do two things. The first is just from a like a uniform like perspective. If you're like if 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 the team says you're gonna wear this like we're gonna make this pride jersey our home jersey. Like, are they gonna? allow somebody to sit out like are they gonna make somebody is somebody gonna sit out for every single game because they put a pride logo on their sweater no they're not gonna i i highly doubt that it's just because it's just one night they feel like they can i don't know sit behind their shield of ignorance and and not do it um, so I I have a question. Like, from a, like just from a, a straight up like thinking from a straight up NHL history uniform thing, like the California Golden Seals. You think they wanted to wear white skates? No. But the owner said, "If you don't wear them, you're not going to play for me." So if there was a an owner progressive enough to say, "If you're not going to wear it, you're not going to play for me," then. I don't know. I think that that would be <laughs> it'd be a huge step. I've I've but seen. The... I feel like that it's it's one night you can like like Brian Burke said you don't necessarily like. I I hope that you support, um, every, like you support everybody, um, but especially on these nights support the LGBTQ community and 
wear the jersey. Like, you can... <laughs> uh, like, like people pointed out, Philip Grubauer has a cross on the back of his mask, and he didn't say anything, proudly wore the jersey. I want to circle back to John Tortorella and talk about, like, the Kaepernick issue, if you guys remember. And he was quoted as saying, like, oh, if any of my players, like, were to kneel during the anthem... I would, I would bench them, I would do, like, all these things. He since recanted and said, like, I've learned about the issue and the topic, and honestly, looking back on it, I regret those words. I'm hoping more players are like that, but now seeing him come out and support Provorov the way he did, I, I don't know if I believe a word he said about that situation anymore. Because, again, the guy's a fucking hypocrite. So, I like, it's hard for me to sit here and be like, yeah, this guy's able to progress and learn and become a better human based off of his words only. Like, his actions are still not speaking to him bureaucrising as a person. And that's sad to see. So I have a, I have a question. Um, yeah, because I think part of, like, another part of these night, like, these Pride Nights is the, just the awareness and the education. And hopefully it, it moves in a positive way and and players understand that it's it's important to, to do this, to invite people of, of different diversity um, of into into these spaces um, but as as we've seen there's still a long way to go and we might even have we might even get to a point where I think that the the league needs some sort of policy around it honestly because the way that it was handled in a lot of these cities was not good like San Jose, I think has handled the situation in the best way possible, getting out in front of it and having statements released before the game. Yeah, no, like the San Jose game, like the Pride Night there was phenomenal. They did a great job. A lot of the players were so, so good about it. And there was people coming in from all across the country for that game specifically. And I think San Jose handled it really well. And like I said, a lot so- of for James Ryan coming out early, but, and like, they had a whole explanation for why their jersey was the way it was, and it was so cool. Their social media for that game, they didn't do any, like, regular... Oh, he scored! It was all, like, LGBTQ plus facts and, like, organizations you can support. It was excellent. Yes. They hit the nail on the top of the head. And, like, it's, it is interesting. It's, like, you were talking about the ownership and how important that is. Toronto's never had a Pride Night. It's but they've always had a presence at the Pride Parade. Yes, but that was been that's been led by Morgan Riley as the main like person. Yep, Morgan Riley's been the sort of center of that. But then, like, like I know that Kyle Dubas has gone pretty much every year. Uh, Brendan Shanahan's gone most years. Uh, I know that there's a photo with Michael Bunting there and Rick Giordano this past summer. So if all these players are showing this open support, why wouldn't the team? That to me says that someone on the team is either super against it or ownership is super against it. Because yeah. it's true, like we're seeing these guys who are getting ostracized, like like the Provrovs, like the Rhymers, and it's scary for a team because you don't want one of those guys on your roster who are shining out as a negative asset for their beliefs. So it makes you wonder: Is that going on in Toronto? Is there a player that is that is like this, or is it an ownership issue? At which point, hey, Rogers and Bell. Hey, we know you hate the gays. So I, I have a question, we guys. We can't agree on anything. So can, I'm well, gonna... except for Bell Lutz talk, where they profit off people's mental health issues. 
so I'm going to, I'm going to interject here. Um, I have a few questions for you guys. So James Reimer has always had the, the reputation as being a nice guy, you know, someone that's that... kind of all I have to say about the, oh. the pride nights. Like it's, I think it's a necessity. I think, unfortunately, I think next year, most of them might be canceled because they don't want to have to deal with all this blowback, even though it's really important blowback. And I think the league stepping away from it is the wrong like clearly the wrong fucking choice to make so it's cowardice can, can you guys hear me yep all right so i've got a few questions for you guys so you know james reimer always been known as a nice guy never seemed to be in the news too often other than when he played in toronto being a goalie in toronto you'll be in the news all the time so i think mostly before last week he was probably just known as you know former former toronto maple Leafs goalie and the San Jose Sharks goalie who's just struggling this year. That was that was pretty much what he was known for. Um, if you look at his statement, I think his statement is is pretty solid, and I think it 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 it's a good you know show of his character. He points out that he treats everyone with kindness and respect. In this specific instance, though, here's the part yeah. that I think is interesting. He says, "I'm choosing not to endorse something that is counter oh, to my personal." Yeah. Yep. Can you guys not hear me? Hello? Hello? Oh, there you are. You're back. All right. So, all right, we're going to go look at James Reimer's statement right now. So, he says, in this instance, I am choosing not to endorse something that is counter to my personal convictions, which are based on the Bible, the highest authority in my life. Regardless of what you think of that, if you are wearing the Pride jersey, does that not mean you are endorsing the values of, of Pride? Does it not, like, is... If you like the same way, if you wear a mega hat, or if you wear a Black Lives Matter shirt, or if you're wearing like Nazi stuff, or if you're wearing anything that has anything that is related to a organization that has values well, based well, around it, does that not mean you are endorsing the values of that organization or of that of that ideology? It's so pers like it's interpreted so personally, um, like like Brian Burke came out with a statement said that you're by wearing like by wearing it you're not necessarily endorsing anything you're just support it like you're just yeah. showing support and his exact statement is a player wearing pride know that yeah it's okay um i i honestly think like but, you're also being paid to wear that jersey yep it is you're still your day job like if your uniform at Tim Hortons has a pride flag on it, you're not going to say, oh, I can't go into my shift. My, my uniform has a pride flag on it now. No, you're probably going to go in because you need that job. Like, they are... They, like, it's kind of spoiled and privileged that they're not willing to do that as well. And, yeah, I, I do think you are supporting the community. But this is a community that has shown that it's trying to build people up, not rip them to shreds. I don't think it's a bad thing to support. So, like, I don't think it's a very controversial thing that to have to support either, even though it is. So I, I have a question, Riley. Because um, as I said, I, I don't think allowing people to have their own choices, their own personal freedoms, and their own right to choice and autonomy is a bad thing to fight for. So... If you know, like, let's say you have a friend, Riley. I disagree with, like, I don't like the whole calling, calling, calling people's identity a lifestyle. Like, that, it, it's, it's, 
it's more like like Riley like not to not to center you out Riley but like you, ident- you identify as a bisexual male yep. like that's part of your identity it's not it, like most people don't think that I'm bisexual it's not a lifestyle choice right like no if anything it just opens more doors for me like I can happily like I've worn makeup out and I feel more confident in it I can dress however I wish without fear because I support myself because I have that autonomy because if someone doesn't like it well great it's not on your body it's not something you're doing all you're doing is oppressing people so Riley all, all I'm going to ask you though would versus be... a mega hat where it's instantly racist and is like make America great again when was America ever great for someone of color a Nazi flag well I think that's pretty self-explanatory oh yeah of course of... But my my infringing on people. My point wasn't to it's compare. Always, it's always a tough thing when we're talk. You're talking about symbolism, because it's so individual, right? Like something, something that I'm doing. Like I, I don't know. I'm I'm more like I'm wearing a. Well, today's an okay. Like t- today, I'm wearing a half waist education hoodie, and I I do support their work. Um, but like. I know people who wear like album cover T-shirts and they've never even heard of the artist. Like, oh, and there's just they think it's a cool-looking cover. Yeah, yeah, and like I think you like sometimes people like if you if you I don't know if you just looked at the art of the the pride jersey and went like some of them they're just really cool art, <laughs> really. Like, and I don't know if you can just like. Even if you just convince yourself that you're just wearing, um, wearing it for the wearing it for the artist, or something. Yeah, they're they're like, all better than most. The reverse retros. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know. I, so, I like Riley. Riley, do you mind if I just pose a hypothetical for I, you I, right now? I, I I give like the like people should have the you should have the right to not wear it if you absolutely choose not to, but you also shouldn't have the right. To do it in silence. Yep. Okay. Can Agreed. you can you That's guys hear me? Kind of the line. Yep. Okay. So, um, let's say Riley that okay. Let's let's use me as as an example. So me and you are are friendly. Um, let's say let's say I'm James Reimer in this situation, and you are, I don't know. Um, but you're you're Riley still. So I've I've only ever treated you with respect. You know, I've I've tried to be you know a good friend. I'm someone who. Let's say we were someone we were we were closer than we are now. I don't know because I I know you more through Stu. I've always known Stu more so. But um, yep. if you were someone that you know, like I I myself I would say that I I believe in a lot of Christian theology. Do I live by that? No, I would call myself quite hypocritical in that sense. Um, that's a whole other conversation. But um, if you treat someone with respect, if you if you you know if you love the person and you just, you say like, it's not my job to judge what you do in your personal life, but it's, I don't necessarily have to support every single thing you do, but I can still only ever treat you with anything, only ever treat you with respect, love, kindness. But you draw the line, let's say at, let's, you know, let's say like you draw the line at um, wearing a pride, like wearing a pride jersey or, you know, wearing something to do with pride would that would that be an issue or is that like is is it 
where's the line, I would guess I would say, because I think James Reimer, I mean, if you look at all of the, the comments and a lot of the, the response to him, it was it was a lot of disappointment because people people had always loved James Reimer. He had always had such a really good reputation for being just a really nice guy who was, you know, great with fans, great with the media. He was just, he was kind of beloved everywhere he went, even though maybe he didn't have the best tenure as a goalie everywhere. He was always known for being a good person. So does that change? Part of the San Jose Book Club. Yeah, like does that does that change just because he won't put on the jersey? Like it's 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 an interesting con. It's an interesting thing to debate because I think some of the vitriol and the hate you've seen towards him. Like, and I'm, I'm I can only I can only say it's hate because he's he's really received a lot of um, unfair hey. abuse. And I'm and I'm not saying that like some people like. You can you can criticize him. Every everyone has the right to criticize someone for making a stand. Like people had the right to criticize Colin Kaepernick. People had the right to agree with Colin Kaepernick. I think whenever you're making a stand that is political or social or controversial, there're going to be there're going to be people that agree, there're going to be people that disagree and will criticize you. But the nature of the criticism for this one seems to be a little bit unfair just because I don't think he actively did anything to hurt anyone in the lgbtq community he just said this goes against my beliefs and i and i'm not going to endorse this because it goes counter to my beliefs so if anything he's actually not being hypocritical he's he's actually standing on his principles for this he's pretty darn hypocritical in that statement he is pretty Um, critical about saying like i he he says he will not he he essentially says he doesn't support lgbtq people um, in their exist like as like as an identity, he 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 sees it as a lifestyle that he doesn't support, and but he and then he goes on to say, but I love and respect everybody. The direct quote is: "I strongly believe that every person has value and worth, and the LGBTQ uh, QIA plus community, like all others, should be welcomed in all aspects of the of, of the game of hockey." But you already said you don't welcome them. No, he's. Where does it say he doesn't welcome them? So, I'm sorry, James, but you like. But but point out to me where where in his statement you're you're contradicting yourself, and I think that if you truly believed that last that last statement about they deserve a place in 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 the room in the in the arena, you'd be wearing the jersey and you'd be in the warm up. Okay, but so if he treats, if he only ever treats people with respect and kindness. If, if and I I read um I don't always agree with Ken Campbell uh, he's a former a former colleague um but he he wrote a, what I thought was a pretty nuanced column where he he actually talked to some some people in 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 the church that he knew um and he's pretty involved um in the in the church and in his local community um and he just sort of said like it's like I, I I covered James Reimer. I know he's a he's a good dude. This kind of just comes from that place of that place of ignorance, where where people feel like they've they've like you know like they, there's so many just interpretations of scripture and they pick the interpretation that best suits the way that they wanna live and some of that gets passed down to people 
So he he felt he felt like Reimer was coming from a place of ignorance rather than intolerance, and I'd like to believe that was true. Um, I, I the only rebuke I would Unfortunately, have for that would in just the statement it definitely reads as intolerance to me. So the only the only question I would have on that is for the interpretation of scripture, and I don't want to necessarily get into a religious or theological discussion. Yeah, I mean to simplify in my eyes, like. It's just basically, like, do you support bullying? Do you support um, hate crimes? Do you support all of these things that have happened to the LGBTQ community, QIA plus community? Do you support them? Do you support those actions that those people have had to go through? Like, if the night isn't about, oh, do I, do I, does it bug me that I, that another man will, like, be with another man, that a woman will be with another woman? Like, and that's not what it's about. It's about, hey, these people have gone through so much shit in, in, in their day-to-day lives, in their communities, in the hockey community, there's a crazy amount of, like, homophobia all the damn time everywhere. So it's just trying to erase that and trying to, like, set up a warm, welcoming community that is supportive of people. And he says, I love all, or I, what are, I value all people. Well, you're not showing it. Your actions aren't showing the value you have for these people that want to support you because again as we've said like a lot of this is coming from a place of disappointment okay but that the only pushback i would have on that is that if you if you look at his his yeah, at the end of the day, actions speak louder than words but his actions if you look at his, his reputation have spoken louder than his words but his reputation has always been that he's been a good person and he's treated people with respect and kindness this is the only yep. thing that has ever seems to be this is the first kind of strike against him and it's that you know he's taken a viewpoint or he's done something that people don't agree with that being said though he didn't actually is not is not showing is not agreeing or is not taking the side is that inherently wrong or is it i guess is is not saying something inherently saying something like we had the same issue, I guess, during you know during the the George Floyd Black Lives Matter rallies, where if you weren't actively speaking out against racism, you were inherently perpetuating it. Do we have kind of a similar situation here, where if you don't if you don't wear the pride jersey, are you actively perpetuating homophobia? I guess that would be my question. I think it means you're not willing to speak out against again the atrocities that have occurred to the people of the community. So. If you are saying, we can let that slide, then yeah, sure, don't wear the jersey. Again, I, I still think he can be a person that treats someone with respect. I still think that he can necessarily be a good person. I just don't think that he can be a great person. I don't think that he's someone that I would want to be friends with necessarily. And I don't think that, I think that I have that right to, to not want to support him as well. And like I said, everyone has the choice to not wear the jersey but they also have the right to the, scrut- the scrutiny that comes with it of you support these hate crimes that have occurred to people in the gay community. You are saying that they don't really have a place in hockey to me. And so I don't support that message being sent out. All right. I think, uh, I think that pretty much covers the, the James Reimer and the, that situation and all that, uh, that goes with it pretty well. Um, was there anything that you guys uh, have on your mind right now that you want to talk about before we go here or, uh, how are you guys feeling right now? I was going to say, what's going on in the NHL right I now? Keep... Yeah, I can keep shooting the shit about other topics that come <laughs> up, and I'm, but I have nothing that comes directly to mind. Uh, so the only question I guess I have for you right now would be, 
uh, Riley, where is it? So, you said you want to take Adam Fantilli. Do you have any other draft picks going into this year's draft? Or is uh, do you just have your first rounder? I know uh, I know you were pretty aggressive at the trade deadlines. So No, I have my first and my second this year. Nice. And Stuart, I know you traded your first to get Sorokin. Yeah, that's what I'm working with is a first and a second. Oh, Stuart's got a third. Well, uh, for those listening from Dynasty but League. I'm not sure if I'll use that first or I might end up reflipping that that or that not the first sorry the second i might end up seeing if i could turn that into a piece i know a little more about maybe a goalie would be somewhere i'm looking but if nothing's coming up i'm, I'm probably gonna look at a goalie in this draft with my second round pick well if you're looking for a goalie uh uh whoever picked up washington if you are listening to this podcast uh everyone will be messaging you this summer because we all need goalies and you have four of them your question yeah, that, that answers your question. Question uh, answers my question pretty well. Um, yeah. All right, Stuart, you still there? Stuart. Stuart. Well, I think we lost Stuart. I don't know if the boys are able to hear me. So this has been a very good podcast. Second. Uh, oh, there's Stuart. Oh. I assume you're saying that to Kevin. Oh, thank. Yeah. Couldn't hear either of you for a second. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I've been cutting out quite a bit tonight. Well, I want to thank both of you for joining me tonight. I want to thank you both for being very respectful guests. I know we ta- we covered some, or we covered a very tough topic there at the end. So thanks for keeping it light and keeping it, you know, respectful and honest. So that uh, for the second yeah. episode of the uh, Windmill Dynasty podcast, I'm uh, Kevin Ostegi, uh, the owner of the Pittsburgh Penguins in True North. And True North Jag on uh, Twitter and on Discord. So uh, send me a send me a message if you want to chat sometime about anything to do with hockey or football. I I love football too. Fantasy football, I can always give tips. So, all right, that is it for episode number two of the Windmill Dynasty Hockey Podcast. <laughs>